do they have social media in Star Wars and the year in review on this technology edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean Darth O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Friday, December 18th, 2015, and joining me to talk is the man that we're reasonably sure is a Jedi, Mr. Dylan Lewis. Wow. So if you're Darth, then am I Luke, or am I Han, or am I Anakin? You really actually don't know anything about Star Wars. <laughs> I don't do know you? anything about Star oh, Wars. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not, like, a diehard <laughs> fan like <clears throat> Michael Douglas upstairs. Yes. Um, but I've seen all the movies. I enjoy it. I enjoy being and entertained. And you'll be seeing the newest movie today, Curse of the I Fool. will. Um, for those of you that do not know, Dylan and I happen to work for the coolest company in the world, and one of the things that they did to be super cool was renting out an entire movie theater mm-hmm. up the road here, and we're all going for free. We have what, like 100 something seats? There's like 130 people going. Yeah. It's so, going to be a good time. It will be a historically unproductive Friday yeah. morning. So you have 20 minutes to talk to me, and then I'm leaving. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'd say friendship is being willing to do the podcast two yeah. hours early so that you can go watch a Star Wars movie. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so really quick, before we do our year in review, which, I don't know, you consider it re-gifting or something? Yeah, like, yeah I think this episode is the uh, the podcast equivalent of re-gifting everything that we've done. Awesome. Because we are going to revisit a couple things. Uh, I got some recent developments on some stories we talked about months ago, and uh, hopefully we can bring some closure uh, we're not going to be able to bring entire closure to this because... These are all long-tail stories. Some of these are long-tail yeah. stories that are just going to drag on for a while. Uh, so before we dive in, I'm anxious to get your thoughts. Do they have Facebook and Twitter in the Star Wars universe? Ooh, I don't know. Like, would Luke Skywalker tweet stuff? Like, that- <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to make a joke so badly, but I don't know the universe well enough to it's, even like make a I, reference. It just seemed sense. weird to me because Star Wars has all this futuristic stuff and hyperspace and space travel and all stuff, but... Maybe they've moved beyond that. You think? Yeah, maybe they're at the, I, the singularity level. I, I live for the day when mankind is not glued to their phones. Yeah. That would be wonderful. We will anyway. see. Um, all right, so what is the first story The first that story we're going to rehash is uh, something we talked about in April. Uh, the name of the podcast was, Is Europe Picking on Google? And this was, of course... That was in April? That was in April. So that was, I think, maybe, May, June, July, maybe a month into us doing the show together. Wow. Because I took over for Nathan Hamilton... Uh, Has it really been eight months? Something like that, yeah. Wow. It's been a while. All right. Um, so that whole episode really focused on uh, the European Commission, branch of European Union's regulatory body, uh, and their efforts to uh, kind of rein in Google and kind of what they perceive as some of the anti-competitive measures that Google's currently using uh, with its shopping uh, add-on product to Don't search. they know that Google is in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary? <laughs> Once that happens, you can't. It it's there. You can't stop it. But it's the verb, right? It's not, yeah. It's, it's the not verb. the proper noun. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get editorial. I'll, I'll, there for we'll a talk about this later. But all I'm going to say is Bing is not in there. <laughs> <laughs> so just as a refresher, uh, the European Commission uh, was plotting a fine as large as 6.4 billion uh, against Google, and this was, of course, roughly about a tenth of their annual revenue. And uh, that's. I, it apparently slipped my mind. That's actually quite large. It's quite large, yeah. Uh, and just a refresher, um, and this is a quote from the EC, uh, Google gives systematic favorable treatment to its comparison shopping product, currently called Google Shopping, in its general search result pages, e.g. by showing Google Shopping more prominently on the screen. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, it may therefore artificially divert traffic from rival comparison shopping services and hinder their ability to compete on the market. Wow. Uh, so this is an anti-competitive claim against them. And, uh, you know... Uh, 
not much more to it than that. <laughs> they are more than willing to use Russia's Yandex. Mm-hmm. I would think. I don't yeah, know. They're, they're more than they're more than capable of doing that if they want. This is something we talked about last time on the show. Uh, you know, there is kind of the counter argument to all this. Like, yes, they're they have the ninety percent market share in desktop searching, you know, Europe, but like they build a really great product. Why wouldn't they want to feature some of their really great stuff in there? Um, EC is also currently looking into um, some issues with Google Android, and uh, this has to do a little bit more with app bundling and um, whether Google is doing some anti-competitive measures um, based on like forced app bundling and possibly crowding out uh, potential competitors with things like maps and right. things like that that are forced onto the platform when they enter an agreement with the smartphone manufacturer because their uh, operating system would power their device. This actually seems, you know, actually, okay, so let's do the what's up now portion because it seems like the Android portion, it, it seems like you might have a better case with Android because they run the actual operating system and that has a Microsofty feel to it. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, so what's going on with this stuff now? Yeah, so uh, this was probably one of the more interesting, like, really in the weeds tech things that I've read in a while. Um, you know, I, I was talking with Vince a couple weeks ago when he filled in for you about the patent disputes back and forth between yeah. Apple and Samsung and how those have been kind of put to bed recently, but that it was kind of a side of tech that a lot of investors don't really get a sense for unless you really seek it out. Tech you know? wars! <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of these things that kind of drag on and on, and um, it's kind of like the, the dark underbelly of tech, yeah. right? That's what I joked about before we started doing the show. And uh, this is kind of along the same lines, where it's like, it's really in the weeds, and it's kind of insidery, but if you like that, then this is a really fun story to watch. And there was uh, this kind of scathing article put together by The Guardian uh, went out earlier this week. Uh, the headline was revealed how Google enlisted members of U.S. Congress it bankrolled to fight $6 billion EU antitrust case. And so that is um, maybe a little harsher than the reality, but that's still pretty loaded. Uh, and So they're calling Congress to call up their counterparts in Europe to... yeah. <laughs> calling in the infantry, right? To, yeah, to, to like, help out, or the cavalry to help them out. Uh, some of the bullet points from the story. So uh, between December 2014 and June 2015, um, according to The Guardian, Google held more high-level meetings with commission officials than any other company. Um, from 2010 to 2014, Google has uh, more than quadrupled its annual lobbying spend in Brussels, which is where the EC right, case yeah. is based, uh, it's up to over $4 million, which really isn't that much, given the right, scope of Google. No. But uh, I think that ramp up is just a testament to uh, what they're looking to do in terms right. of influencing policy there and uh, the decision of the regulatory body. Uh, Google has employed several former EU officials as in-house lobbyists oh my gosh. and has funded <laughs> European think tanks and university research favorable to its position as part of a broader campaign. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> What are they doing with universities? This is crazy. Yeah, so I mean, this is looking for research wow. and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. academic publishing that is favorable. You, for you're them. an economics professor. <laughs> Come up with a good paper. Yeah. And uh, last year, uh, Google spent twice as much on lobbying in Brussels than Apple, Facebook, Yahoo, and t- Twitter and Go- uh, Uber combined. I don't buy the Uber thing because they have that whole Paris altercation with yeah. the taxi. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so so it's very clear that uh, and and this is something we talked about when we first brought it up was uh, Google said you know they sent out a memo to everyone in, around they're like in house we're going to fight this we yeah. we think that there's no grounds for this uh, you know this is something that we're going to go to battle on. And uh, I think that this scale up here is just kind of a testament to, 
you know, they are rounding up the cavalry, like I said, yeah. and, and just coming at them with everything they've got. Um, and some members, some publicly elected officials from the U.S. also seem to have been involved. Um, there were some memos that The Guardian got a hold of. Uh, one of them in particular, uh, some U.S. members of Congress, uh, many of whom have received uh, campaign funding from Google, uh, wrote to the EC in November, uh, basically called some of the acts that they're going after uh, ones that would deter continued innovation and investment from U.S.-based internet companies. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so there's a lot going on there. Um, I think it's just really fascinating to see how big tech companies combat unfavorable uh, yeah. regulatory environment. Um, so that's kind of what's going on on the Google Shopping side. Unfortunately, we're not going to have any resolution on this for years. Uh, so as much as I'd love to like wrap well, this up we'll and put this a bow on it for next, the holidays. Next, next holiday season. <laughs> yes. So uh, maybe we'll check in on it then. But um, the, on, on the Android issue that we mentioned earlier, um, another not a ton to update on there. Um, there was a Reuters report in September uh, that said the EC is still yet to determine whether it will charge Google with market abuse with its Android right. mobile efforts. So uh, that is another kind of ongoing thing. Is this uh, refresh everybody's memory? Was this as bad as what? And I alluded to this earlier, but uh, you remember in the '90s, Microsoft was charged with putting like blatantly blocking Netscape and and putting Internet Explorer on their operating systems. Yeah, or do you mean is in, this that bad? Do you mean in terms of the fine itself? Yes. Or, yeah. So or in what Google was doing and the fines and everything. Yeah, yeah, and so for total dollars, I think the original fine that was levied against Microsoft was like 600 million or yeah. something like that. So, I mean, adjust for inflationary measures. But, I but think, even then it'd but, be like 7 or 800 million now. But I think what they wound up paying was multiples of that. Because, oh really? Because they dragged it out and weren't compliant for a long time oh, that's and fun. Okay. thought that they were being compliant. So, uh, I think the final settlement was like one and a half or two. Okay. Million. Yeah. Wow. So, um, still about a third of uh, you know, what Google's looking at in yeah. terms of unadjusted dollars at least. Cool. All right, well, before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. All loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to Focus.Fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that's Focus.Fool.com. All right, so Dylan... We got about I don't know eight ten minutes left before I run out and go to the movie theater. Yes. Um, what's the other story we're going to be talking about? Yeah, the other thing I wanted to provide a refresher on. Thankfully, this is something that we can kind of tie up in a nice little bow for the holidays. Uh, this is something we talked about in November uh, in the episode "Beat Up Tech Stocks." Can Pandora, FireEye, and HP's new business segment turn it around? Um, we're going to focus on the Pandora side of the beat up tech stocks. Uh, discussed in that episode. I was going to say, there's no resolution to any other stuff. So. <laughs> and uh, just as a refresher, basically what we were talking about on that show was the volatility uh, surrounding Pandora because of the impending copyright royalty board decision and uh, on webcasting IV and the large impact that that would have on the company's cost structure. Uh, yeah, and if memory serves, this is a big deal for yeah, Pandora. Huge this deal. Is, yeah. And in the, uh, you know, probably two months or so leading up to mid-December, there had been some pretty wild price swings on the stock. And a lot of it was uh, related to, at first, uh, CRB admitting that the uh, agreement that Pandora had with Merlin, which is an independent label um, representative body, uh, would be an admissible benchmark for the uh, negotiations with SoundExchange, uh, SoundExchange being kind of a more major label representative. Um, 
so that was one major thing that's kind of moved things around. And then secondly, uh, there was also uh, a comment from the CRB that there wouldn't be any distinction between indie labels and major labels in terms of uh, you know the ability to collect higher royalty rates on songs. So uh, you know there was no strength position right. there for sound exchange to be coming from. So uh, because of these two things, it seemed going into mid-December when we were expecting the CRB decision that things would be kind of playing out in a more favorable way for Pandora. Uh, as it turns out, that's what happened. Yay. <laughs> yeah. It was entirely speculative at the time, though. Entirely speculative. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of people started kind of like, you know, reading the tarot cards and yeah. saying, this looks like how it's moving. But um, there was always the possibility that, you know, there were going to yeah. be disappointing results. And I think that's why you saw so much volatility with the stock uh, in the lead up to this. And so uh, earlier this week, uh, CRB released its official ruling on royalty rates for Web IV. Uh, ad-supported free streams will cost Pandora $0.0017. So that is 17... 17% <laughs> of a cent. Yes. Yeah. And subscription... It's not quite one-fifth of a penny. There. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> subscription streams will cost uh, 0.0022. Okay, so that's a fifth or of a penny. A fifth yeah. of a penny, just about. And so... Uh, and this is going, of course, to the labels for the layman. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, well, it's going to sound exchange to distribute to the Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, 2015 rates, uh, so what they were operating under for current cost structure, right. had Pandora paying um, <laughs> 0.0014 and 0.0025, respectively. We're sorry, folks, for not <laughs> this many decimal places. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a lot to get through. Uh, they usually state these as 100-play yeah. metrics, which yeah. probably would have been smarter for the show. But, um, so... On the surface, uh, this so, looks kind of disappointing, right? So yeah. you look at it and you're like, okay, these ad-supported free streams are going to cost more. Uh, the subscription streams will be costing less. Right. You know, maybe it's a wash altogether. Right. But, you know, you saw the stock move, I think, 10 to 15%. Um, to the upside. Uh, to the upside this week. So, uh, obviously, favorable market reaction. And uh, I think that really gets into what the bear side of this negotiation could have looked like. Um, really, I think anything that came in at less than a fifth of a penny per play was going to be good for Pandora, and, and that's what uh, on the free side. Um, and so that's why analysts in the market had okay. this really you know favorable reaction. Uh, one of the interesting aspects of this, and I know that you had a <laughs> particularly interesting take on it, was just the the seventeen uh, hundredths of a cent um, rate on non subscription plays being tied to inflation. And that being the escalator year to year. Why? How did they pick that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the consumer price index is what the federal government uses to figure out people's social security checks every year. The increase, like yeah, and like and like cola. It's for dumb. raises. It's, yeah. It, Janet Yellen talks about it when she's talking about her inflation targets. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tech actually usually experiences deflation. Computers get cheaper. Software gets cheaper. This stuff gets I, talent gets more. Talents get yeah. Yeah, talent gets more expensive. Well, fine. <laughs> um, I was. It seems like they picked that in the absence of any other better option. Yeah, but it plays out extremely well for Pandora. Uh, if you look, um, basically the escalation of their costs. So if you're tying it to CPI, let's say inflation looks like it might be one and a half percent, two percent, maybe. You know, in a, in a rising interest rate oh, environment, okay, it's yeah. probably less. You yeah. know, um, so that's what you'd anticipate their ad-supported streams will go yeah. up by year over year. Uh, they were looking at so we got tons of clarity here. Yeah, 
oodles of clarity. Uh, and they were experiencing uh, year-over-year royalty increases of like 9% prior yeah. to this. So this adds a lot of just kind of a much smoother cost structure for them, right? Uh, which is great. And, um, you know, it's a much more favorable reaction. If you look at what SoundExchange was hoping for in terms of royalty rates, they were looking for about a quarter of a penny. Oh, to, so they were yeah, 40% off the mark? Yeah. Just ballparking? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, and of course, Sound Exchange was not pleased. Uh, you know, they, they released a comment that said this will erode the value of music in our economy. <laughs> Did um, I almost wonder if the regulators? I mean, who made the decision? Copyright rules. Co- okay, those guys. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if they looked at because they probably want to engender competition and just they want to make this work. And I almost wonder if they're like, okay, what does Pandora need to not die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's an element of it. Um, you know the online uh, internet radio business uh, leans on like the kind of the terrestrial radio model. And, you right. know, it, like the the royalty rate agreements are slightly different than what you have for the on demand business. And it will be interesting to see how this plays out for uh, Pandora's rumored on demand service via the RDO acquisition. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that's something that uh, it's tough because you know they had this really great. You know, uh, ruling here, but then they're going to have to go back to those same labels without the CRB (laughs) and say, "Hey guys, like you know, you know, we have this really awesome royalty rate agreement now. So, (laughs) (laughs) what do you want to do on an on-demand basis? (laughs) Uh, You know, so that's certainly something to watch. Uh, You know, I, I think." Rumors have that possibly being selling in late 2016 uh, oh, wow. that comes out. So, I mean, they, they have to set up the entire infrastructure for that. Right. They didn't acquire any of the label agreements when they acquired RDO. So, uh, it's it's a little bit tougher. They're, I don't know that we'll oh, see cool. it. <laughs> I don't know we'll see an on-demand streaming option from them anytime soon. Cool. Well, Dylan, we'll see you in the new year. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. Uh, and if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Happy New Year, and may the force be with you.